Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. Last week, we talked about what we get wrong about finding our calling. Today, I want to continue that topic and theme by talking about tapping into God's deeper purpose for your work. Tapping into God's deeper purpose for your work. Now, I'm doing this short little, I guess almost like a series, to introduce you to this vast theology of work that's in Scripture and introduce you to a really a biblical sharpening or tightening or clarity around this issue of calling and, and work. Now, I was a pastor for almost 20 years before I did any kind of serious biblical work on this theme. But once I did, as I mentioned last week, once I got this theology of work, this biblical framework, it was like, as some theologians have said, it was like discovering a new continent. It really shifted my understanding of what it meant to be a leader, church, community, being in the world, etc. And I hope and pray that you'll have a similar experience uh, as you listen this week and in the other weeks. Now, this is so critically important uh, now, especially because of the shifts going on in the culture, in our church, uh, and the wrestling we're doing about what does it mean to be the church or community. Uh, And so a well-thought-out biblical perspective on work uh, is really especially critical for us. And we need to give our people vision and purpose in this season of great change for their families, for their workplaces. We've got to get a clear picture of what we're doing as we're helping equip people or putting the bones in place is what that Greek word actually means. And we send them out into the world, which includes their workplaces, uh, beyond our weekend meetings for Christ. And we want to also be rethinking how we define success uh, for us as leaders in our churches. So today I want to share a sermon with you, a message I gave a few years back out of Genesis 1 and 2, and how every follower of Jesus is called to create and shape in a world filled with brokenness and chaos. And that applies in the workplace as well as at home. And it's really, this is a text, Genesis 1, 27 and 28, and then Genesis 2, 14 and 16. But it's that text where it says, be fruitful and multiply, you know, and we're to rule the earth and subdue it. Uh, and the, the phrase create and shape, you're going to hear in this message, uh, but it's one that I have uh, repeatedly uh, kept in my bones and my heart and in my preaching and teaching in, in an effort to create culture uh, in community. So I pray it does the same for you. The free resource I want to share with you is out of an emotionally healthy skill called the Community Temperature Reading. And it's one practical way that over the decades, we've given people a a practical handle on how to create and shape uh, and how to make a difference in their workplace or neighborhood or school or home. And so I want to invite you to go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash community. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash community. And uh, you'll get access to, really, it's session one from the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course. And it's a skill, the, the first skill we teach everybody in our church and community uh, to, to help people discover their God-given voice and to build healthy relationships with other people. And so it, it's giving people some handles to have transformative conversations, uh, giving them some simple and memorable sentence starters, and a safe way to help you and help others around you express their thoughts and feelings and find their voice in a way that reflects 
how we're to do relationships in the new family of Jesus, how we can create and shape differently than the world around us. So check that out at emotionallyhealthy.org slash community. But for now, let me invite you uh, to enjoy this message called Tapping into God's Deeper Purpose for Your Work. Enjoy. Thank you. Go with me in your Bibles of Genesis chapter 1. If you need a Bible, raise your hands. Genesis 1. And our theme is creating and shaping. Those are two words I want you to to get uh, driven into your soul here. Create and shape around work. In 1998, a movie came out called The Truman Show. How many of you saw that? Raise your hands. Okay, good. And uh, the, the main character was played by Jim Carrey as Truman. And it actually was a movie ahead of its time because it was, it was before the era of reality shows. But it really was a reality show. Uh, in a sense, he, it, it, Truman Burbank, Jim Carrey, he lives his entire life since birth in front of cameras, uh, although he's unaware of it. Uh, he, was, he was actually adopted before his birth by a company led by Ed Harris. And uh, Truman's life is filmed. There's 5,000 cameras all around this city where he lives, and uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's broadcast live around the world and to over a billion people watching, and, uh, but he has no idea. And his, his entire world is built on this massive dome structure, they say, that can be seen from outer space. And every aspect of Truman's life is controlled, from growing up and going to school to his friendships. He even gets married to an actress. Everybody's an actor and actress in the entire thing. And, um, but it's a, it's a false world. It's not, it's not a real world. But he has no idea. He's got his routine that he does every day. It's all carefully crafted. It's actually a near-perfect world. Um, but he, everything is done so he would not discover that this is all a fake, virtual reality. And so Ed Harris, from the time he was young, kind of creates all these things to put fear in him that he would not leave, this boring routine. So, for example... At one point, he wants to leave, and he goes to a travel agency, and you'll see a big poster of an airplane crashing. And it says, this could be you, you know? And uh, they, they fake a drowning incident with his father and him going fishing as little boys, where he, he, he experiences a very traumatic incident around the sea and the, and the water. And so he's always afraid of water. And the whole city where he lives is surrounded by water. So he's paralyzed by fear, and he can't move. And but what happens is, at, at this point, he's 30 years old, he's been living like this. But he's starting to come alive to some things inside of him uh, and some things that seem a bit strange to him, that something's not fitting. First of all, his life is very boring and routine. Uh, he, sees, he sees some light fall from the sky, and it's actually a light that makes it light, but it's really a, you know, a problem. He actually falls in love briefly with this woman, a young, an, one of the extras in the set. They whisk her away. But he's got this memory of real love in his heart. And so he begins this yearning to leave and explore the world. And so they create all these things to trap him so he can't leave. They, they fake a nuclear disaster, a forest fire, and eventually he can't take it anymore. He gets in a sailboat to leave and sail away, even though it might cost him his life. And so because they control everything, Ed Harris, you know, from this big high office and dome, begins to throw a big storm, and it, it almost kills him. But he's so desperate, yearning to leave and, and experience life, that he goes, I don't care. He's yelling into space to God, I don't care if you kill me. You know, I'm going to go, you know. And so it, the movie kind of ends. Excuse me for telling you the ending. He crashes the boat into a wall, you know, like a movie set. And it all, he realizes, oh, my God, 
It's all fake. And then there's a door. You've got to walk to this door up a stairway, and there's this door into blackness, darkness, the unknown. And he's got to make a decision, do I go through this door into the unknown, which I'm yearning for, though I don't know what it is, or do I stay here where it's safe, in this fake world, in this lie, basically. And the movie ends by him walking through the door, okay? It's a great ending. But what's so powerful about this movie is it brings out an aspect of the gospel, which is this. In our hearts, there is a yearning for the real behind the real. There is a longing in your heart and my ache. Augustine called it in the 5th century, we all have an ache, A-C-H-E, an ache for infinite love, for happiness, for ecstasy, for God. And we put that ache onto finite things on this earth, like accomplishments or career or making money or drugs or sex or the opposite sex, but it never fulfills us because we were made for something greater. But we've got these fears of leaving our kind of our, what we think of as reality and moving into the unknown of following God. It's a fantastic movie, great point. And so really, the, the best analogy in Scripture is many analogies of our relationship with God, but it's that God loves you so much, and you were created for such a closeness with God, it's, it's compared to marriage. God wants to marry every one of us in this room. You were created for infinite, unrepeatable love from God. That's the only thing that will satisfy the deep yearning in your soul. And Christianity, friends, is about a relationship of incredible love with the living God. It's the foundation of our lives, this communion, this union with this person called God through Jesus. And it fills our soul with ecstasy. And it's out of that communion we go into life and we work differently. Most, we spend most of our lives at work. And we are called out of this relationship with the living God to do work differently. And that's the whole purpose of this series called 9 to 5, Your Work Matters. And so today I want to focus on Adam and Eve. As one theologian says, if you can get this theology we're talking about today, about the theology of work, we're talking about the next few weeks, it will revolutionize your life. It's like discovering a new continent. Because the ramifications and implications are so vast when you grasp what God has called you to do in your workplace. And so let's read our text here, which comes out of Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 27 and 28 of chapter 1, and then we'll go to Genesis 2, verse 15. Okay, thus says the Lord. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. And then chapter 2, verse 15, where it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So what we see in Scripture in Genesis 1 is God works. God creates the world and he shapes it out of, out of, out of a void, it says in Genesis 1. It's kind of darkless and, and, and chaotic. And God forms and creates. And after God works, he creates in six days the universe. And he goes, God says, this is good. It is very, very good. And then God creates us in his image. He goes, in the same way you're made by me, you're in my image, and you were created to work. And uh, in fact, um, uh, G, uh, Rich opened up the series last week by saying, talking about slaves who have the worst job in the empire. Some of you think you have a bad job. It's not worse than being a slave. And Paul says, I want you to understand something. You were called by God 
the day you became a Christian. So everyone in this room has accepted Christ. He's in your life. You've, you have a calling. You're called to Jesus, by Jesus, and for Jesus in all of your life. And, uh, and we're, we're called to work not onto human beings, but for God, Colossians chapter 3. So our goal in the series is that you'll get deep in you this saying of this. Like Linda says in the, in the video, I'm in full-time ministry, and I work as a first-grade teacher. I'm in full-time ministry, and I work as a personal assistant. Or I'm in full-time ministry, and I work as a software engineer. Or I'm in full-time ministry, and I work as a dad at home. Or I'm in full-time ministry, and I'm a paralegal, or I'm a, I'm a mechanic, or I'm a salesperson, or I'm a postal worker, or a student, or a doctor. But that's our, our, our goal, is that you'll see yourself with a whole new understanding of your identity as you go out into the world. And that these two words will be in your heart, which is this, I'm called to create and shape. Now here's the two extremes we have with work. The first extreme is I go to work and I'm bored. There's no meaning to it. There's no purpose in it. I dislike it. In fact, some of you may say, I actually hate my job. In fact, I don't get any joy from it. I had a couple people walk out last week and say to me, Pete, it's awful. You should hear the language in my workplace. All they talk about is sex. Okay? And so it's kind of like this. You know, I, I go to work on Monday and then Tuesday, and then Wednesday, and then Thursday, and then it's Friday, I go again, I come home on Saturday, I come home on Sunday, and I go back on, on Monday. <laughs> and it's boring. It's, it doesn't, it's not taking me anywhere. That's one extreme. I hate my job, I don't get any joy from it. The other is, I'm going to call it addiction. Work as an addiction, uh, as idolatry. Basically, I can't stop working. I, I come from a family that was like that. When I was in, uh, in Singapore, Malaysia last year with Jerry, uh, I was struck because the average work week, according to studies, in Singapore, Malaysia, is 85 hours a week. The average work week in the United States is 55 hours a week. The average work week in Europe is 35 hours a week. I say we move to Europe. <laughs> so we have something, at least here in America, called Workaholics Anonymous. It's like Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, 12 step meetings, the whole, the whole thing. And um, it's interesting, you know, people talk about how much work, they, like how much liquor can you hold, you know, how much work can you hold. People go on binge works, not just binge drinking. But they have a test in this website, Workaholics Anonymous. How do you know, how do I know if I'm a workaholic? And they have 20 questions. I'm just going to give you five, and you can test yourself. And uh, it's interesting, they say if you have three or more of these, they say you should come to one of our meetings. I think I might be going myself this week. But how do I know if I'm a workaholic? Number one, do you get more excited about your work than your family or anything else? Two, do you take work with you to bed on weekends, on vacations? Number three, have your family or friends given up on expecting you to show up on time? Number four, have your long hours hurt your family or other relationships? And number five, do you think about your work while driving, falling asleep, or when other people are talking? <laughs> They have 20 questions like that. The ancient Greeks, Plato, Aristotle, they, they all saw work as a curse. In fact, if you read ancient literature, it was seen as, a, as kind of a, as a necessary evil or as a punishment. What's so interesting is that the Bible or Christianity sees work completely different than our culture and ancient pagan philosophy, and that's this. God is a worker. God himself works. And not only that, God delights in his work gives him joy and says, it's very good. And when God creates human beings, he creates us as workers. That's why it's very interesting that there's, it's, it's a, the ratio is six days work, one day Sabbath rest. Very interesting, the ratio there. It's not the opposite. 
which is much like Greek mythology. And, uh, and so um, the, the vision here is, is the call here, the reason Adam and Eve are so important because it's before sin enters the human race. It's the echo in your heart. You yearn, I know, for deep joy, ecstasy, and happiness, which can only be found in God. It's in your heart. You were made for it. Nothing else will satisfy you but Jesus. At the same time, there's an echo in your heart to engage the world out of that relationship with God and do it this way. You were made to create and shape the world much like Adam and Eve before sin entered the human race. And that's what we're going to unpack today. Now listen, when God creates, puts Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden, it's interesting that it's paradise. right? There's no sin. But in paradise, there is work. Now God could have just snapped his fingers and created all of the world and all the work done. Millions of people made, all the cities made, all of culture. He could have just done it, but he doesn't. He creates Adam and Eve, you know, first man and woman, and he gives them the task to create and shape just like he does. He, he designs them to create and shape. They are, there's two key words here, they're to fill the earth. He, he blesses them. It says, be fruitful, increase in number. Two key words are fill the earth. They are to expand, extend out of the Garden of Eden, and they are to go outwards into the earth, and they are to engage the earth, and they are to build relationships, they are to build community. They are to expand out and create culture and use tools and create beauty and build homes and music. I mean, uh, Adam's already a poet who's written music to Eve. He, the, the gardening and communications. They are to create a civilization. And they are to fill the earth with human society. The world is undeveloped. Here's the picture here. The world is untapped with potential. They are, Adam and Eve are called to go engage this world Fill it, the earth, and they are to subdue it. It's a tremendous picture. They are to engage it and bring out its richness. Now, here's a, the key word. I want you to look at the word subdue. It's a, it's a very important Hebrew word. And actually, it means to cut a path through a virgin forest. And so, look at this. This is an example of a, a, a forest. It's, it's, it's chaotic, right? It, it's, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through there? It's a mess. Now, now, do you understand? The world has a level of chaos to it. It's unformed. It's untapped potential. <laughs> Someone said to me on the way out last week, my, my work is so chaotic. I hate it. And I said, no, no, you don't understand. It's chaotic. That's why you're there. That's why God puts you there, to bring shape to it, to fill it and create. And so here's the world. It's chaotic. And we are to subdue the earth. We are called to work and to cut a path through a forest where there is no path. That's our role as men and women who image God, who out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it, 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 this word subdue involves a real assertion of the will. In other words, it's intentional. It's thoughtful. It's not passive. It's dreaming that there is the, the, the world needs us to work to bring forth its potential to bring forth all of its riches. We are rearranging the raw material of the world. That's why in the great Benedictine tradition, it's called work is prayer, prayer is work. They're all related. So, um, so here, here, here's the two pictures, side by side, okay? Chaos and the subduing of the earth, which is cutting a path through a virgin forest. So let me just tell you what it's not to create and shape. There's a pizza shop, it used to be around many years ago, in Corona up the street here. 
And when I had visitors come from out of town, I would always bring them there. And uh, because the waiter was so rude, you would think it was a movie. But it wasn't. And because his attitude was an Italian-American pastry shop, and my friends would always think, oh, is this, he's a racist. I said, no, no, he treats everybody like this, okay? He treats his own people like this, his own mother probably like this, you know? And you'd go and you'd sit down, and basically your job was to serve him as the waiter. Because his whole attitude is, what do you want? Why are you even on earth? It reminds me of my cousin owned a pizza shop here in Queens that went bankrupt. And I said to him, well, how did it go bankrupt? And he goes, well, I found out that one, it was many reasons, but one was his delivery man would curse people out when they would not give him a good tip. Didn't go over real well. He was not creating and shaping. It's not, creating and shaping does not look like going to a toll booth. And some of you may work at a toll booth. And, you know, you don't, the toll booth person does not establish eye contact. There's nothing nice coming out of his or her mouth. And their basically attitude is, why don't you have your easy pass, idiots? Or going through airport security, have you ever done that? And, you know, it's a tough job. And, and, and they, they, you're like, hurry up, get, get online, you know, get that computer out. And, and looking at you like you're, you know, you're a terrorist, of course. And, and, you, and you feel like, oh, my God, there's so much tension in the room because you've got to move through there. Or going to the post office, which I did a couple of weeks ago. I had such an experience. It took me almost an hour to, to mail something. And uh, there was one person working behind the, 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 the window. Long line, everybody's upset. And, of course, you get to the front of the line. She says, oh, you've got to fill out a form. You've got to leave the line, you know. And, and she's annoyed because... Because, you know, no one showed up for work. And it's just a horrific atmosphere. You know, I got out. I said, oh, God, by the grace of God, I escaped, you know. <laughs> so th th those are examples that we're so used to, we don't think twice about it. We, we live in New York. I mean, that's why we're here, isn't it, you know. But somehow God has called us, like the first man and woman, he created us to create and shape. You were made to engage the world and create and shape. So what does it look like at pizza shop? You know, if you're a waiter or a waitress, you know, how are you? You know, great that you're here, you know. And, and it's gratitude to the person being there, not just for getting a tip. It creates a whole other atmosphere. It's the toll booth person looking you in the eye with kindness and saying, God bless you, you know, have a great day. It's, it's airport security. And I had this experience at JFK. And uh, there, was one, there was this woman, and, and she was on charge security. The line was incredibly long, a lot of tension. She was smiling. She was talking to people. She, was, she created such an atmosphere on this line. At one point, she started singing a song. I said, this is unbelievable. She was entertaining. I mean, she created and shaped on a security line at JFK. Imagine the post office person behind that screen saying, you know what, I'm really sorry, everybody, but you know, nobody showed up for work today, and I'm all alone. But I'm, and I'm really sorry. Please be patient. There's some forms over there to your right that some of you may need to fill out, depending on what you need. But please relax. I'll get to you as quickly as possible. Could have changed the whole atmosphere of that place by creating and shaping. But her head was down. You know, I've gotten a parking, t I've, gotten, I've gotten many a parking ticket. I should have got a degree in parking tickets. But one time our church office asked if I would stop by a copy place in uh, Flushing and pick something up for the office. I said, sure. So, but, but it's very crowded in the street. And so you have to warn them in advance that you're coming. You double park. And so you don't really kind of leave your car so they can come out, give you the package, and you escape without getting a ticket. So I get to the front of this copy place. I open the door. I'm double parked. I open the door and I take two steps like this. I grab the package like that. And a person, a parking, you know, what do you call it, a ticket person, swings out from behind another car and swings by with a machine and gives me a ticket. And 
I said, what are you doing? I'm here, I'm here. Now, that was not a creating and shaping parking ticket, okay? I wanted to just tell you that. Now, you, you create and shape by giving parking tickets, you know, uh, if, that's, if that's your job, because you're restraining chaos. You know, people get hurt double parking and speeding and all, and all of that. Uh, there's a good way to do it. But you've got to see ourselves as we go into the world, you and I, there is untapped potential where you work. And again, the Bible sees work not just as paid work, there is unpaid work. That's why we never retire. You may retire from your job, but you're still called to work and create and shape and cut a path through a virgin forest. You were made for this. Okay, it's part of your way you glorify God out of the raw material of life. So here's what it looks like. Mike's a doorman in, in Manhattan. Large apartment building, about 100 family units. And Mike came from Croatia in the early 1960s as a young man. He's been working as a doorman for 20 years in this, in this apartment building. And for Mike, it's not just a job. He cares about the people in the building. He takes pride in keeping that lobby clean. So what he does is he, he helps people with loading when they come to the front door and they've got packages. He helps them find parking spaces. He welcomes their guests when they come in. Uh, he keeps the, the building attractive. So he was asked, what makes you drop what you're doing and go to the curb to help a resident in their car unload their groceries or packages? He says, that's my job. They, they need help. And he says, why do you remember the name of every child in this building? He says, because they live here. Why do you work so hard at every part of this job, he was asked. He says, I don't know. It's just what I need to be able to do to look at myself in the mirror in the morning. I couldn't live with myself if I didn't try my best every day. It's a doorman. Kathy's a, Catherine is a professor of physics at a college. And so, as you know, taking physics can be a very sterile environment, it's a laboratory and all that. But what she does is she occasionally will play classical music in the classroom to create an atmosphere of beauty and creativity. She will model both hard work and rest. So she sometimes will even bring her children into work to create culture in that room and some joy. She will bring students to her home so she can value them as people and say, you're not just here for me to do a job but you're important as human beings. She create, she's creating and shaping. Listen, you create and shape when you prepare a meal. And you cook it, whether it's for a living or you're cooking at home, and you take these chaotic ingredients and make something beautiful. You create and shape when you play music, when you engage in art, when you write poetry, when you plant a garden. You create and shape when you provide security. Some of you are in law enforcement uh, you're, you're, or in... Uh, security of a, of a building or a university, you're restraining chaos. We create and shape as sanitation workers, as custodians, as we clean up this trashed earth. We create and shape as, some of us are, are CPAs or, or financial planners or bookkeepers, because you're stewarding wealth and you're helping people generate jobs. We create and shape as, some of you are electricians and plumbers and painters, as you create beauty things for people to use. You contribute to the world and creating and shaping by being unemployed. Do you know why? Because you're unemployed differently. You create and shape in the way you look for a job. It's not filled with anxiety or without hope or despair. You know there's a living God who loves you as you approach it differently. Teachers in this room and administrators, you create and shape when you take the unformed human mind and heart and you begin to form it. If you're a doctor or in the medical field or a nurse, you don't time patients how much time you get from them. You don't how much time you're going to give them. You don't say, wait a second, 
How much insurance am I going to get from this person? I'm not going to bother with them. You see every person as a human person. I know a couple of dentists that, that they're, they're, they're pastoring their patients. If you're a social worker, a counselor, you are bringing order and resources to people's lives. You're creating and shaping. Some of you are at Home Depot you work or Starbucks or a nursing home. And do you know what? You, are a, you see yourself as a chaplain. You're in full-time ministry at that place for Christ. Some of you are students in junior high or high school or college or grad school, and you do your best at that school. You engage the students and the teachers. You reach out to those people who are kind of on the margins because you see it. You're creating community in that place. God puts you there to create and shape. We create, some of you, by, by creating, some of you have new businesses, organizations. You, you create work. So the Community Development Corporation is creating a path through a virgin forest and creating entrepreneurs to launch businesses and helping make Elmhurst beautiful and Queens beautiful and hopefully New York City beautiful. I mean, New Life Fellowship Church, do you realize we're just a blob of people? But we're called together together and we're creating and shaping this community called New Life to make it a gift to the world and form relationships. I meet many business leaders who are discouraged. I mean, they're discouraged with the church, especially successful ones. And they're discouraged and say, all the church wants from me is volunteer and give money. That's good to volunteer and give money. And especially, I saw this especially in, in other places in the world. And uh, they said to me, just forget working with the church. Just bring your materials, Pete, to the marketplace. So I've met people, some great people over the years. I, uh, one organization called Innotech, this young man and his father started it. It's an engineering firm. And they created this company to generate money, basically to give away as much as they could. And they will give any worker in their organization time off to do mission trips, to serve in Haiti or there's natural disasters. They've helped people come, engineers work on our building in the years past, and they pay them their full salary and benefits so they can serve Christ wherever they want for the glory of God. Another fellow I know in manufacturing, he's got hundreds of employees. Every month he has a staff development for them. And that staff development isn't necessarily how to work his manufacturing machines better. It's how to basically be skilled fathers and mothers, how to be leaders, um, how he brings in motivational speakers. He teaches them skills for life. He brought me in once to speak to them. It was not a, it's not a Christian company. He's a Christian. This fellow I mentioned earlier, Edward Ong, he runs a hotel in Malaysia. A couple of thousand employees. He's actually got paid staff who are intercessors. And they pray for the hotel people coming in as well as the folks who work there. I know a person who runs a hedge fund in Manhattan. He has such a large impact, not just on his employees, but all the people who clients whom he works with. He is being, he's having such an impact for Christ. I said, his ministry alone in that hedge fund is larger than many churches that I know. He's creating and shaping. He has a vision for his work. I've had many people come to me and said, You're, you know, we published Emotionally Healthy Skills 2.0 for our small groups to help create community in churches. I've had, I can't tell you how many workplaces come to me and say, Pete, please take God out of this material. Not because we're against God, it's because we want to bring this material into our workplace and teach them how to fight cleanly, how to make a complaint with a request for change, how to say, I'm puzzled. All these skills, we want to help create communities in our workplaces for the glory of God. But it comes out of a vision. So we work, friends, we don't work just to make money. You're not just working to pay your bills. We, friends, are working 
to basically serve God and to love our neighbors. We're helping restore the world as God intends it to be restored. In fact, Revelation, the end of history, shows we're still working history. And so we see, friends, we're seeking to affirm people and release people in their gifts. We don't participate in gossips and put-downs. Look at Scripture. We see Christians all over the place. Abraham was in real estate. Jacob was a rancher. Daniel was a COO in management. Joshua was in the military. David was a musician and an artist. Joseph was basically working for the government. And Jesus, of course, was in construction. Listen, there is no sacred secular divide in Genesis 1 and 2. All of God's world, there's not a spiritual up here, this is worthy and this is less mundane and unworthy. No, God's view of life, the world is one. Business, school, home, music, sports, church, law and order, medicine, banking. God's world is one. And we are all called for all of our lives to the day of our last breath. We are called to dream. We are called to enter the world. We are called to create and shape and be a gift and a blessing to the world. If Paul was writing a letter today to business people or working people, I think he would say something like this. Stay in your business or stay in your work and go deep. Your workstation, your office, your position will be a means for you to grow in Christ. Don't think about going into, quote, religious work as if that's going to be a spiritual advantage. Your life is not a bundle of accidents. All the things that led you to where you are now, your birth, your education, your interests, your advantages and opportunities, this was God leading you in your life. If you can get a better job that fits more in with your passions and gift and temperament, enjoy it, go for it, do it. Get further training. When you have the opportunity to make money and create jobs for others, don't think of yourself as second class. You are in full-time ministry, says Paul would say. Your life and your daily work are significant. Where you find yourself right now in your life is holy. And if you work not for yourself but for the Lord, your labor will not be in vain, even if you can't see it all right now. So here's my question. How will you create and shape tomorrow when you go into your workplace, even if you're retired and unemployed? Because of the fall, because of sin, work is hard. It says in Genesis 3, the ground is hard. There are thorns and thistles. It's exhausting. There's sin in workplaces. Some of you work in large institutions and corporations, and sometimes city agencies or governmental agencies or um, you know, enforce, law enforcement departments can almost have an evil force in them that destroys people. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Because there are powers and principalities actually operating in those workplaces. And it's exhausting. And I want to say to you, yes, the Bible speaks of that. It's true, whether you're in business or healthcare or education or social services. But hear this. Jesus died for you. And he loves you. And he rose from the dead. And he died, yes, to forgive you so you can have a relationship with the living God through Jesus, to be married to him. Yes. But he also died to send you out into the world to create and to shape. And he knows you're going to get tired and you're going to be exhausted. But here's the great news of the gospel. He doesn't just send you out. He gives us, friends, the power. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He comes to live inside of us to grant us the energy and the power to actually dream, to actually engage, to actually cut a path through a virgin forest, to not grow weary and to quit. But it's out of the dynamite of the Holy Spirit inside of us that we can actually go get hold of our destiny and go forward. 
So it is never too late to begin. So with that, I want to invite the worship team to come on forward. And I want to read you this verse from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It's God as he creates the world, and you'll see God. He creates and he shapes. And it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He creates the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Some of you guys are going into a situation tomorrow. You're going to walk into work and say, it's formless and empty. Some of you moms or dads raising kids at home, it's formless and empty. Or you're sitting there, you're unemployed, and you're looking for a job, and you're sending resume out, no one's responding, it's formless and empty. And it says, darkness was over the surface of the deep. You say, yes, a lot of darkness. But it says, the Spirit was hovering over the waters. Beautiful image. That's your, we're walking into that, all of us. But God's inviting you, and God's inviting me to go and engage not be passive, and to create, and to shape. And he's going to meet us there, and grow us there, and transform us there. But friends, what's the whole mission of our church here at New Life? You know what it is? It is to equip you for what you're called to do in that workplace tomorrow. That we are salt and light and a gift to the culture out there where we might live. So let's all stand together. Let's enjoy and and take in the love of God as we sing this chorus back to God and we'll come back together. I know some of you probably came in late today at 11.15. So remember, there's three services, nine, now it's 10.30, and then 12.30, okay? So, but we love you. There's lots of grace here. So as we close your two downstairs, remember there's a marriage and a single connection as you walk out the front door on your right and left, and we encourage you to go to that connect. There'll be some raffles and just connect with some people as we create and shape as a community here at New Life. Worship team, why don't you come on forward? I really want, I want to speak in particular to those of you here today where something in your heart has died. You know, maybe you had some dreams and visions to create and shape. Maybe you didn't have that terminology but you were engaging the world and you got a few hits and you got knocked down and discouraged and you're like, I, I don't even want to let myself dream about creating untapped potential around me. I'm just trying to get through today. So we close here. Listen, to that. the only way to live this out is out of communion with Jesus that we're drawing and abiding on His power inside of us and it's the life of God, the Spirit inside of us that we're actually to be different and create and shape in our workplaces and homes around us, paid and unpaid. But I want, as we close here, I want to invite you to come forward, in particular, those of you who have lost dreams and where something maybe has died inside of you and it's barely flickering. Because make no mistake about it, God made you to create and shape. That's the echo, that's the yearning inside of you to make a contribution and a difference with your life. And he loves you, as we just sang, oh, how he loves you. And how he longs to embrace you and allow yourself to find infinite bliss and ecstasy in him and him alone. So I want you to come forward at the end here uh, for prayer. Come forward for God to touch your heart and your life. And I'm going to close with, with, uh, by speaking a blessing over you. And I, I actually got this blessing from uh, New Zealand. And uh, it's a beautiful, I don't know if Michael has it here, you can put it up, Mike. And uh, I'll just take a look at it before I even pray it for you. And then we'll be dismissed and go downstairs. And I invite you, if you'd like to, open up your hands up towards heaven like this. But you might want to take a look at it um, up on the screen. It's just a beautiful blessing. And you know, you're God's servants. 
you know, gifted with dreams and visions. I love that. Upon you rests the grace of God like flames of fire. It's a nice image, isn't it? Love and serve the Lord in the strength of the Spirit. May the peace of Christ be with you. May the strong arms of God sustain you and the power of the Holy Spirit strengthen you in every way. Isn't that phenomenal? I mean, what good? We don't want to just hear a lecture here. We want to be filled with God, everybody, as we leave this place. We want to engage our workplaces, not in our human strength or our human gifts, but in the very life and power and fire of God inside of us. So I invite you, as we close here, and the communion table's over here to your right. You're welcome to come and eat and drink of communion as well as come to prayer. But uh, let me just I want to invite you to close your eyes and bow before heaven. And let me just receive this blessing as from the Lord God Almighty who sees you right now and surrounds you with his unfailing love. And so you are God's servant, gifted with dreams and visions. And upon you rests the grace of God like flames of fire. And so now may you be filled with God and may you love and serve him in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And may the peace of Jesus Christ be with you. And may the strong arms of God sustain you. May they, the strong arms of God carry you into your workplace tomorrow. And may the power of the Holy Spirit strengthen you in every way. And all of God's people said, Amen. Be blessed, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.